over. Let's get it. Listen to the song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Mike been gone for a couple of weeks. Hey, man. Like, what, oh, you want, you, you I can't hear it, but I'm like, man. It's just an instrumental right here. We ain't got to okay. hit the words on We just want to vibe. I thought that was at Riley. Well, like, it is. It, it is. is. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But see, you know what I'm saying? You can, you can get ready to drop a track right now if you want to. <laughs> you know how you were ready to rap it before? Yeah. Now you're going to really drop a track. Okay. Okay. Next show. Y'all track on go terrible. double plastic. Shut up, man. Has <laughs> been <laughs> podcast. Swan hating at the beginning, man. Was the episode one eleven one one one? Yeah, triple ones, triple ones. Yeah, one eleven. We got uh, you know special guests in the building. We gonna get around to my boy Ben in a second. But it's the Has Been's podcast, man. My boy Mike back in the building. Masio is out, but he will be back next week. I don't know. The fans kind of convincing them. To, I, I asked them. I asked them. Like, look, y'all got to gas him up, and it's been working. <laughs> it's been working. My CEO will be back next week. Mike back in the, the building show, this week. Absolutely. Yeah. Twan in the building again. Always consistent. You feel me? Yeah, man. Twan is 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 really You're like, like uh, Michael Bridges, ain't you? Yeah, no. yeah. Oh, you said Bridges. I don't know why I'm thinking of Fultz. I said, I ain't that. You know, Mikael so Bridges. consistent, boy. Yeah, he, he definitely never missed a game in college, never missed one of the pros, man. Torn one of the most consistent guys in the game. I try to be here, be punctual and shit, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And obviously, it's your boy Cam Will, man, the guy y'all love to hate. The guy that, you know, just the guy, man. Just the guy. Yeah, man, just the guy, man. We in the building, man. Got a special guest in the building, man. All the way from Philly, man. Now he in the A. Yes, sir. Yes, mortgage sir. banker. TikTok superstar. Mm. Try to be. A friend, <laughs> a friend of the show, man. I Ben, and I should have asked you before the show, because I've been pondering like how to pronounce the last name. <laughs> I, I was like, is it Kulubi? Kulabali. Kulabali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Kulabali, a.k.a. Being the banker. Yes, sir. In the building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, sir. We got being in the building, man. Gonna be a, um, this is going to we, we, we've been setting the vibes for y'all lately. We, you know, obviously it's a sports and pop culture podcast, man. But we got to start giving more emphasis to the culture part of this. And today, you know, we've been kind of giving y'all some flavor in the last couple of weeks. I've, we've been getting some good reviews on that. Everybody enjoying it. We got Ben in the building, man, and we're going to give a lot more to Coach. We're going to talk about banking, home ownership, yes, investments. Yes, sir. A lot of this I good stuff, that. basic foundational things that us in the black community are are missing, we're missing, we're misinformed about. A lot of it just, you know, some of this stuff is new. Some of, you know, it just was never kind of right in our face growing up and, you know, We'll we'll get to it, right. but first and foremost, let's talk to Ben. Let's 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 let's. First and foremost, let me get my notes because I'm all I'm looking at the bottom of the notes and I just see Kevin Samuel's name <laughs> highlighted, and I'm like, I don't know. R.I.P. Kevin. R.I.P. Kevin Samuels, man. I'm like, I don't know where I was supposed to start. <laughs> but first off, just because I want to really really start from the groundwork and let's this like business for dummies today. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. First, just tell us what a mortgage banker is and kind of what you do. 
That's a great question, man. Yeah, man. So for those of you who don't know, a mortgage banker, obviously the name mortgage, right? A mortgage is a voluntary lien that you put up on a property, probably a more complex way of explaining it, but a loan that you get on your home pretty much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the person that pretty much is the upfront guy, the guy that explains to you exactly what the qualification requirements are needed in order for you to qualify for a loan. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I also explain to you what programs are out there for you to qualify for. And then based off of that, I evaluate your information. I evaluate everything that you're looking to do to meet your financial goals. And hopefully with the um, the requirements that, you know, are needed for certain programs, you meet those and then I can help you, you know, get your home financing in order. Um, and that's for primary homes. That's for second homes. That's for investment properties as well. Um, and there are a lot of different programs out there, man. You got, um, FHA programs, which is normally used by first time home buyers, um, and primary homes. You got conventional programs which can be used for primary homes, second homes and investment properties. Um, and you also have, um, uh, no doc loans like bank statement loans that don't require, um, tax returns or income documentation. Um, so, a lot of different programs, um, VA loans for veterans, USDA loans for rural areas. Um, if you're outside of Atlanta or any outside of any major, uh, cities in the United States. So just pretty much that's what I do, man. I just, I just help people understand, um, the, the, the foundation of what it means to, to finance a home, finance a home or, or qualify for a home loan. Okay. Yep. That's, that's definitely, um, complex when you kind of hear it, you know, especially yeah. people who don't know, they like, you hearing, you hearing all these terminologies, and I'm like, oh, shit, even myself, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not, it's a lot of going to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not dumb to it, but I'm like, damn, you know, now he's talking, I'm like, damn, I ain't as smart as I thought, you know, and it's kind of <laughs> like, so just hearing kind of what you do is already intimidating to, you know, most listeners and most people who listen to you. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know if Tuan and Mike, you know, if y'all got any lead-in questions to uh, get to Ben, but I kind of want to start kind of at the ground um, with, like you say, buying a home. Mm-hmm. And obviously most of us, all, I'm not, I don't own a home. I don't, I don't own a home either. So none of us own homes in here and on the show. Yeah. And so we're kind of, and most of our listeners kind of fit into the same demographic, same age group of people who are either just purchased their first home, looking to purchase their first home, establishing credit mm-hmm. and looking to kind of make, you know, getting out of college kind of, looking at life for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I guess my first question to you is what would you advise someone who's coming out into the, you know, the workforce, gaining their traction in their, their new life outside of the bubble they were in? Mm-hmm. What things do you, you know, advise them to focus on early, make sure they got intact? And, and um, yeah, I don't even know how to, yeah, just kind of what do you think they should focus on? Yeah, first definitely. And foremost? I think the first thing that anybody who's looking to purchase a home needs to focus on is their credit. That is the first and most important thing. I mean, without credit, there's, there's really nothing we can talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so the easiest way that I like to simplify getting your credit where it needs to be is establishing credit, right. Managing credit and making sure that you don't abuse it as well. All right. So those are the three things. And what I mean by those things is establishing credit. You need credit in order to buy a home. (laughs) I I know that confuses a lot of people. I get people who come up to me and go, 
hey, I don't have no credit, so I should be good. Nah. And it, <laughs> there's no history of showing that you could pay for something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what you do when you establish credit. You're establishing your history of how you are financially. Banks don't care how much you have in your account. That's the truth. Unless you're going to buy the home cash, which normally people don't, they don't care if you have $100,000 in your account. All right. That they don't care. Even if you got the income coming in, you could prove that you've had it coming in consistently for two, three, four, five years. They don't care if you don't have the credit because the credit is going to show that you have been a responsible. You've been responsible with the current creditors that you've established relationships with. Right. So it's just like like a bowl of confidence that you're going to do good business with me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's your history. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's that's what it's about. Establishing that um, making sure that you utilize it the correct way. Right. So making sure that you stay below 30 percent of your utilization on your credit cards. Right. Making sure you aren't late when you have to make uh, payments you know, every month, um, making sure that any, any derogatory items that you may have on there, make sure you get them situated. If you have collections, right. Cause life happens, mm-hmm. right. Getting those situated, make either, you know, you settle on those or you get them removed off your credit. However, it may work. You know what I mean? And just not abusing it, man. Um, I think in our community, um, people definitely are, are, and I don't think it's on purpose. I think it's the financial literacy part. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. People are accustomed to just, People don't understand credit, so it's very easy, especially at a young age, to get, you know, a couple credit cards and just go. Just run it up. Yeah. Like, I got, see, they give me money, I pay it back later. Yeah. Right. You don't really know what that means or how yeah. it's Yeah, what you're doing. You. Yeah, so, like, <clears throat> for me, it was kind of like the exact, well, not the exact opposite, but it was like the the financial literacy part where I come into a situation, I get my first credit card and only had one, mm-hmm. but not understanding kind of what bills to pay, like, you know, what the creditor, what is actually affecting your credit score where, you know, student loans is actually affecting, you know, your mm-hmm. um, car note, you know, the, the those type of things. I'm over here, you know, thinking I can let the student loan, it's like 50 bucks, I can let that ride yeah. for a couple months and it's killing my credit, you know. Yeah. And then I'm, I got one credit card and, it, you know, had a, a low limit, but I ran it, you know, it was mm-hmm. like $500 limit, $1,000 limit, yeah. and I pushed it to the limit, and it's just like I come back and look at my credit card. I'm like, whoa, what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you know how just how you run it up, you know, if they only give you a $1,000 limit, it's probably for a reason. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I couldn't pay back $1,000 worth of debt, so now that interest start building up, and you go from 100%. I didn't know you can go into the the – like over a hundred percent, you feel me? Yep, you it's like, yeah, <laughs> they're like you hit yeah. that credit limit. That's cool, but then that interest gonna start building up building on top up. of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, they don't play yeah. with you, man. Definitely, yeah. definitely, and 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 that's you know that that killed your credit. Now, mm-hmm. not only did you abuse it, but now you getting hit on two different sides right. because sometimes what happen is you overspend, mm-hmm. you spend more than you can manage, and then on top of that. You paying interest when you pay the minimum payment, right? Or you paying those one hundred dollar payments, and even those, the interest is still building up because they counting that twenty twenty five percent interest on a full one thousand dollars. Right, that's a lot. Right, um, so that builds up, and now you you catching yourself in that in that in that snowball, mm-hmm. that snowball effect. It's just building as it rolls. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, just not abusing it, man. Just not abusing it. Um, and and I think, like I said, it goes back to the financial literacy part in our community. 
just understanding what can you do to leverage credit instead of letting credit leverage you or letting the creditors leverage you because literally that's what they do. So what would you advise um, a young person looking to establish credit, mm-hmm. which means obviously, you know, you go get a credit card. Mm-hmm. Are there any other ways? Mm-hmm. And I, one thing I've been seeing recently, I, it wasn't when I was, you know, first getting out of college, these programs where they're now allowing your rent payments and mm-hmm. cell phone payments and things of those sort to go and be uh, reported to the credit bureaus. Mm-hmm. On t- uh, I guess outside of that and getting a credit card, are there any other programs or any other small things that people can do to start establishing credit and, and getting them positive notes onto their credit report? Yeah, definitely. Um, here, here's one thing that I think some people do know, um, but I don't think enough of us take advantage of. Um, if you have family members, your mom, your dad, or, or brother, sister, a relative who has good credit, let them add you or ask them, could they add you on their trade line as a, as an authorized user? They don't necessarily have to give you a car to use, but that can help you establish credit without mm. you actually having actually doing it. anything. Yeah. Just yeah. Kind of benefiting off their work. What's the youngest age you can start that at? Like 18. Oh, okay, okay. So it's eighteen. Like, I was about yeah. to say, damn, you can get your kid in there early. Yeah, eighteen. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay. So, oh no, no, no. Actually, if you want to, you I thought you meant like when can you actually like get like credit? But no, if you oh, yeah. want to like add your kid on there, you can. You can if you want to. A lot of so people you can start that. establishing credit. You can start like, establishing your kid's credit at a young age, just yes, before they even reach the age of where they can actually go and start applying for credit. Oh, wow. You can put your kid on your credit card as like an authorized user. That's big. Yep. Yep, that's, you that's, definitely can. Mm-hmm. That's big time. You definitely can. So um, definitely something that people in our community need to take advantage of. And that you obviously want to make sure that you're handling your business because anything yeah, you, you do negative on up. your account is going to affect them. And we don't want to do that your to... Your kid coming out with a 430. Yeah, yeah. Like, what happened? We already take a step back. Like, damn, pops, y'all did me in right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've seen that too, where people open lines of credit in their kids' name and do mm-hmm. bullshit with it, and think it's like just nothing. And then their kids, when they eighteen, getting out of school, like trying to do shit, and it's like, bro, I got like a four hundred credit score, and I don't, yeah, because they didn't open it. Because you know, like part of it is like you know having the, the accounts open for those amount of years. So Thanks. like that shit been just sitting on their credit, just pounding on you for years. It's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. And then they gotta go fix that mess up. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I don't know if y'all got any questions related to the credit part before we move on from I'm credit. I'm here taking notes. That's what I've been, I've been, uh, I'm taking, <laughs> like, I'm taking notes on my notes, so it's like, damn, I'm like, I hope I don't ask the same question again. And so we talked about credit as the number one thing. Obviously, we looking to buy a home. Mm-hmm. Um, we established the credit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to get a good job. Yeah. Where, I guess it's always market dependent, but where do you think is a good, sweet spot where you think, you know, you would advise somebody to earn in power to be at before they would be looking to actually purchase a home? That's a good question. Earn in power, as in how much money do you need to be making? Yeah, like a, what's a, what What you think is a comfortable place where you tell them, like, okay, you know what, you are in a position yeah. where you, 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 you could be buying a home. I think, well, for me, an ideal client would be somebody with over 700 credit score, make six figures, and got some good money in the bank mm-hmm. to put on down payment. That's an ideal client. Right. Um, but that's not everybody's situation. And right. I know that. Um, you don't got to have excellent credit to buy a home. 
And in terms of income, you don't got to make six figures to buy a home. I've helped multiple people who don't make six figures buy a home. But that also depends on where the market is as well in terms of interest rates and the housing market. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I've helped people who make forty, fifty thousand dollars get into a home, but they had minimal debt. They had decent credit and the market was in their favor. They actually could find something they could afford based off their income and the mortgage um, payment was offering them. They could afford that mortgage in that market time. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, but now the market is a lot different. Um, Mm -hmm. You're talking about five, 6% interest rates. Yeah, I was just looking at today like, wow. Yeah. So somebody who's making $50,000 today with those interest rates in today's housing market where you can't even get a fixer upper for two fifty or 300,000. I mean, that that's probably not ideal in this market, even if you have minimal debt, like you're barely cutting it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it really depends on the situation where you're looking like someone who's looking for a home in bucket, you $50,000 ain't going to cut it in bucket. Nah. There's right. no way. There's no way. Um, somebody who makes $50,000 in New York city nah. <laughs> ain't nah. going to cut it. Right. Exactly. California. Same thing, nah, right? Yeah. But <laughs> if you go out to the country of Georgia, fifty, sixty thousand dollars might take right. you a long way. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So everybody's situation is different. There is mm-hmm. no one way of, okay, you making this much, you good, because you could get to that amount and realize, nah, it's not gonna work for me based off where I wanna be at mm-hmm. or what I wanna do. So it's more about being re- realistic with what mm-hmm. you want yep. and where you're at financially and kinda in your journey. Exactly. Okay. One hundred percent. Because I think that's, like, for a lot of people, they don't, you know, getting started is kind of the hardest thing and kind of the most important thing, obviously, for most things. And most people don't get started with, like, all right, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. You know, they think it's like buying a car, buying some shoes, or whatever else. This is the one thing that doesn't work like that. You kind of got to plan for it. You kind of yeah, got to. Yeah. And especially, like you say, with the market, just because you like the house don't mean the house like you. And Thanks. that's what my dad told me. <laughs> and I didn't know what it meant, Thanks. but it's like, you know, it's somebody else, like, you know, me, Mike, and Twan might both want this crib. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, all right. So now it's like, yeah, you like the crib and everything's lined up and you can afford this and everything, but it's just other factors that go into this. Yeah. And he was like, it's a nasty game. So you got to, it got to be something you got to be looking at way in advance and making plays mm-hmm. two, three, four years in advance. Yep. Especially if you don't want to be, one of them people sitting there and every time you go and bid on the house, you get outbid or you, it's just yeah. some, some little small circumstances stopping you from being the person who gets to bid, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, you go, what's, what's up? Yeah. I didn't know about the bidding wars, man. Yes. Yeah, buying a house. Cause I'm, I'm in the process of thinking about buying a house in a couple of years. So yeah, I'm just kind of yeah. build my credit and, you know, like you said, um, just look at different programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and with the market, it's kind of crazy right now in Atlanta. So, mm-hmm. I just think it's best for me just to kind of just wait, save up until it's the right time. Yeah, yeah. You definitely just want to be in the right position before you come in. That, that's the other thing, too. That and makes I, sense. Yeah, be in the right position. Don't rush the process. I think that's what happens with a lot of people, too, who are trying to buy a home. Mm-hmm. In the getting started phase of fixing your credit, right? Getting the amount of money that you need, right? Um, making sure your employment history and income is together. Don't rush nothing. If you know in your heart that, yo, I'm, I'm not in position to make something happen, right. just wait. Wait it out. Put yourself in a good financial, you know, spot for that you feel comfortable with. No one else. You personally feel comfortable with. And then go after it. You know what I mean? Um, and educate yourself, man. Educate. I, I think 
I think people take social media for granted, man. Yeah. There's so much out there in social media that you can self, you know, I'm, I'm self-taught in a lot mm-hmm. of things. Um, but I think a lot more people can, especially in this real estate world, mortgage world, banking world, you can learn so much on social media because people are just willing to just give the game for free. Right, right. It's so, all over TikTok. All over TikTok, <laughs> man. I'm 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 TikTok and stuff now before I yeah. Google it. Right. <laughs> for right. real, for real. That's what I do. I'm like anytime I'm like I mean, whether it's gaming, yeah, banking, anything, mm-hmm. I'm looking because one is like the generation is like real instant gratification. I don't got time to really be searching for answers. Exactly. When I know somebody out here, I can just search a hashtag and he's going to exactly. put me in the, at least the right direction where right. I can like, mm-hmm. it's easier to get to. Yep, yep. But, you know, we're going to take a quick little break. Mike, you, you got, ooh, we you going <laughs> to like this. <laughs> little quick intermission, man. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's going on here? It's a nice little, you know, little break. Sir, yes, sir. We back at it, man. Back in the building with Has Been's podcast in the building with my boy Ben. We where we left off, we were talking about you know just buying your first home. You know, we're trying to get ourselves. We're walking through a process of getting yourself together right. and getting your first home. And we were talking about <clears throat> obviously getting your credit situated, but now we're talking about the market. You know, obviously you got to look out. You got to see what's available. Mm-hmm. And we talked. You talked about the interest rates. I don't know if people are aware, but you know, it's national interest rate, right? Mm-hmm. It's five plus percent right now. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty high. Uh, Crazy. It is. So two. It is. So it's a two question thing for me. One, can you explain mm-hmm. to to the listeners and the viewers why interest rates are so high right now? Yeah. And then secondly, what do you expect from the market from this point forward? Yeah. Man, so why interest rates are so high, man? Nah, that's that's a long winded answer. <laughs> um, but I'll try to make it short. Um, so COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID is the reason for all of this. And um when COVID started, right, what happened? A lot of people lost their jobs, right? Right. People lost their jobs, everybody was quarantining, you know. Most of us, the world, yeah, most of us. Everybody was <laughs> the world was at a standstill yeah. for the most part, right? So what happened? No income is moving through the economy anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And you got a bunch of people who normally who are working that got bills to pay, mortgages especially, right? All right, so imagine not having a job at the moment or not being able to work, right? right? You don't have income, but you got a mortgage to pay, and. What happens if you don't pay that mortgage? Well, foreclose, mm-hmm. foreclose. Bank going to seize the home. And I think even for me, when the, when the pandemic started, my initial thought was 
oh, it's about to be another 2008. Like, it's about to be a bunch of homes that's going to flood the market because nobody going to be able to make their mortgage payments. But what happened was the feds was like, the government was like, that ain't going to happen. Right. We we can't let that happen. Like, we, we cannot let our economy suffer because of this unexpected, you know, situation that we got going on. So what they did was they bailed people out. They printed money, you know, printed out those checks. Steamies. And they also did the mortgage forbearance. All right. Mm-hmm. So... They put a Band-Aid on an issue that was a deep cut. You feel me? That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. It needed stitches. That was a Band-Aid. You feel me? So it was, okay, y'all don't got to pay our mortgages for now. You feel me? We'll figure out what's going to happen afterwards. But for now, we don't want there to be a crash, right? We don't right. want y'all to foreclose on y'all homes. We want to make sure that y'all good, that y'all key. So we'll print out all this money. So you print out all this money. You help people, you know, bail out from foreclosing on their homes. Now, and on top of that, you reduce interest rates. Because now, because you're printing out all this money, people got to borrow money. You got to make it more easier for people to right. borrow money at the time because nobody got, got money. So you go through all of that. And now on the backside of COVID, what happens is everybody starts working, right? Businesses are coming back, right? Right. But during COVID, everybody was so used to getting that money for free, right? Getting the money for free, getting access to it for free, right? You bailed out on them having to pay the mortgage so nobody had to pay bills. Some some people didn't have to pay their car note, right? They got bailed out on that. So people had money, right? Com- and also, another thing, major companies start coming in and saying they're buying up real estate left and right, especially in Georgia, right? So you had major companies buying homes, you got people getting stimulus checks. Money is pretty much free. Belling out on mortgages. Everything went nuts because it was just so easy to get a loan. It was just so easy to get a loan and money was cheap. Mm-hmm. Now everybody trying to buy a home. Nothing crashed. It actually got worse. There were buyers on the market. Mortgage rates are super low. They have more access to more more than ever before. Yeah, right. Uh, money is more money. Mo- in their yeah, yeah. there's more money in their pocket. Interest rates at two percent. We've never seen interest rates go at two percent in America's history. Never, two percent to anything that was just unheard of. So you have access to more. Now on the tail end of COVID, right? People going back to work. The economy is going back to normalcy, but. It's not normal in terms of everybody was so used to, yo, I got access to all this money. So you still have a lot of buyers, the huge demand, right, for homes, right? A huge demand for everything, even cars. But there's not enough cars because you got to think when there's huge demand, right, it's like cool if you got supply. Yeah, it's a lot of supply. You got the supply. But the supply chain died down when COVID happened because builders weren't building homes. People who normally was going to sell their homes didn't want to sell anymore because it's like, I'm not going outside. I'm not about yeah, to sell what's my home. Now here, Here's yeah. the security. I'm staying right. inside. That, that's what they telling me to do. Mm-hmm. And even even with cars, man, you fact, people weren't making cars anything. So what we had at the time was all we had. But you had people who were still like, I'm buying. Yeah. You feel me? And now even on the back end, it's like, okay, everybody's trying to get back to work. Okay, let's go build houses. Let's go, you know, let, let's go make cars. Let's go do all these. Okay, cool, but. There's no way you're going to catch up to the amount of people right. who had who had access oh, yeah. to all that money to come, you know, and, and buy these things. There's no way our supply chain is going to keep up with that. Mm-hmm. So now, so now what you have is inflation because of that. Yep. So much demand, 
little supply and everybody's willing to do whatever it takes to buy that little supply. So that's, that price is going to go up. That's like having that one, you know, brownie at school and everybody mm-hmm. like, I want that brownie. I'll do whatever it takes right, to right. get that brownie. I give you tea. I give you my lunch for a week. <laughs> Facts. You and that's what everybody's doing. So everybody's willing to even buy buy it for more than what it's actually worth. And that, right. that's, that's on everything, especially homes, right? right? So now we're at a place where the feds are like, okay. Inflation done went up 20-some percent in the last year. It's because we tried to fix a a major situation, but it was a temporary fix. It wasn't a long-term fix. Now we got inflation. Homes are going for way more than what they're worth, right? And and it really, I won't say more than what they're worth because economically speaking, if something is bought at a certain price, that's the new price. Yeah. Right. That don't mean that that's not what it's worth. That's just what that's it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that it's going up from two fifty to four hundred thousand, Jesus, in a day, in a day, that's that's it? like no, nah, like that. That's What's not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's happening? real intimidating. It is. It is. <laughs> so yeah. the feds, the feds went. Okay, we got to do something to slow this inflation down because this inflation is going to put us in a place where our can like it's a fear. Can our economy keep up with this? Yeah. Right. So. What do you do when there's too much money circulating? You make it harder for people to access that money. And to do that, you go and you raise interest rates. So that's why you have interest rates being at 5 to 6% now. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's crazy. That makes sense. Yeah. It, oh, it makes tons of sense. It's just, it just, it's just so much shit happening at one time and people mm-hmm. not seeing. Obviously, the, the average person who's just out here kind of living their day-to-day doesn't do this on a day-to-day. It's like, completely unaware to like oh shit yeah you know because I, I was thinking about it like you know we joked about it ppp and all this shit and coming out yeah, yeah. and like you say like you just watch and that's my next question did you think and you kind of said it mm-hmm. did you think investors crippled the housing market because you just watch people you know they getting checks hundred thousand dollars million dollar checks mm-hmm. all this stuff and they just going out you know like fuck it i'll buy this house mm-hmm. they don't care how much it costs you know like I want this house, or I'll pay whatever it is. And like you said, now that's the new price. Mm-hmm. And do you think, obviously, I think you, I, I think I can speak for you and say, yeah, but have investors crippled the housing market? And if so, like, what do you think can be done to, or is there something that can be done to help the average person and the average family who's out here trying to actually buy homes, who live in the area? Because a lot of these people don't even live in these areas. They just come in, like you say, buy a bunch of real estate, and they're just kind of, Go from there. Yeah. I think investors, let's, we got to, I wouldn't put everybody in like a box when I, when, you know, when you say investor, I mean, you do have your investors, but I split, you know, what the term investors, because you have your investors who are small investors, like your mom and pop investors, right? Like mom and dad own five, six, seven homes outside of their primary residence. Mm -hmm. Those are small investors, right? Those those people aren't going to mess up the market. It's not enough of those to mess up the right. market. What it is is those huge companies, right? Like um, Tricon. Um, there, there are other companies out there too where what they do is they are major companies who are funded by major banks who go into communities and buy up. Literally, they're trying to buy up all, all the homes in the community and rent them out. And that is problematic. That is very problematic because literally they themselves are inflating the market you know get what i'm saying like mm-hmm. they can 
if they own all the homes on the block, they can pretty much say, hey, this is our price and this is what you got to pay. Because even if you go down the street, you got to pay the same thing. Right. See what I'm saying? So that is very problematic. And what it also does, man, is unfair because you got a lot of people who want the opportunity to own a home, right? Because that is the American dream, man. That That's actually the first step to entering the middle class is home ownership. Um, who probably can't because it's like, hey, I want to live in this area. I want to live in this neighborhood. I want my kids to go to this school and this school district. But the only way to do it is to simply rent because right. price you know, is so high with the inflation and all that. Price is so high with the inflation is, and these major investors are going in to buy um, everything. Blocks. Yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, those companies like Tricon, Invitation Homes, um, there are other companies too, man. We need to do something to regulate those companies because you're right. They are messing up the market. In my opinion, they are mm-hmm. messing up the market. Some people will beg to differ. I I think, you know, it, it's simple when you look at the numbers and you look at economics. It's not helping the average American get ahead, right? Especially mm-hmm. ec- economically, financially, anything. It's just, it's not helping them. Renting does not help you in any way. Yeah, at all. You know it's I mean? the worst it's thing. Money. It's, it's, it's Yeah, it's like giving away. It's, it is giving away money. It, it is. It um, is. And so on the opposite side of this coin, what can, because I, I'm just going to be frank from what I see, is the black community is the most affected because these companies come in and they come into black communities. They're not going into established neighborhoods. They're not going on West Paces Ferry. They're not going even Buckhead and, you know, trying to, you know, buy blocks. They're coming into these black neighborhoods, these gentrified, I mean, these neighbor, neighborhoods they're trying to gentrify. Obviously, these people are having financial issues, um, a lot of people, you know, outside of the home that they own, everything else is in disarray, so they're kind of willing to do anything to come out of here. What do you advise, like, people in these communities to do, can do to combat these companies? Because a lot of them are coming in and kind of strong-arming people out of their their neighborhoods as well. It's, it's hard to combat it when you don't have the leverage to. Right. To be honest, mm-hmm. right? If you're a renter... And the owners change, right? If it go from a mom and pop investor to a huge corporation, a huge company coming in and saying, well, we're going to buy the whole area, we're going to gentrify. What can you really do if they're like, well, your rent is going to go from $1,000 to $2,000? Right. What about the people who own in those, in those, in those areas, though? Hold, hold on to it. If you okay. own in that area, now you have the leverage. If you mm-hmm. own it, right? You, so what are they doing to push people out of these? Like, how are they taxes. coming? It's okay. taxes, yeah. Property they, taxes. Okay. So if you, even though you may be done paying off the mortgage, you still have property taxes to mm-hmm. pay. If they increase those property taxes to an amount that's, you know, astronomical and you can't afford it, then that, that's going that's to push you out of there too, right? Okay. And also if, the, mm. also, if the property taxes are high enough to the point where the mom and pop investor are just like, man, the property don't mean that much to us anyway. So y'all want to buy it for how much more than what it's worth? Right. Ooh, 50000 100000 Okay, cool. Bet. Y'all can take it. Yeah, right. so it's just about, I think with within our community, that's what we need to understand is the long-term thinking versus the short-term. We got a lot of people who look at, okay, if I got $100,000 right now, that's better than getting $2,000 a month for, this, for the span of my life. You feel mm-hmm. me? I'd rather get $2,000 of cash flow every month for the rest of my life than that $100,000 That'll take right you back there. to the memes where they always like, would you take 100000 yeah, yeah, or yeah, your yeah. lump sum versus mm-hmm. the, the payments? Me, I'm always like, look, let me get them two racks because I know 
I can I can lock that in. I know that's coming. You know what I'm exactly. Saying? I know that. Look, if, if I, I can manage two thousand, I can I can know I can find me a crib, get my rent right, no matter yeah. what happened. You exactly. feel me? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if y'all got any other questions about kind of. Um. So, like VA home loans. How did that? How did those work? VA home loans. That's a good question. So VA home loans, obviously, that's for veterans. Um, and I think it's a great program, man. No money down. No money down. No mortgage insurance. Um, and it and it comes with normally decent rates. Normally below market rates. Um, you have to be an eligible veteran though. So not everybody who you know was fighting in wars qualifies because sometimes people don't. Um, and if you're a um, disabled veteran. You get the VA funding fee. There's normally a funding fee that you have to pay through the, with the VA that's waived, so you don't have to pay that. Um, it's good for primary residents. You can utilize it over and over again as long as you um, have refinanced the other one. Yeah, refinance the other one. You always have access to it. So, yo, it's it's a great program. I I, okay. I yeah. definitely recommend anybody who's a veteran mm-hmm. take advantage of it. You need your DD two fourteen. So you need to be honorably discharged and you need your certificate of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So you got those two things, you're good to go. I'm on the way. Look, Mike, I'm work. I'm, two my years. packet my packet is in. Uh-huh. The, I'm almost out. Okay. <laughs> and when I get that 214, I'm coming to holler at Ben. Like, Ben, <laughs> it's time. Let's cut a deal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get out here and move Come and shake. Come out in two years, man. I don't know. Just planning it out. Yeah. Nah, man. That's definitely good, man. And, you know, just make sure, like I said, credit. Make sure your credit's together. All you need is, um, well, we can go as low as a 580. I always recommend a 600 or higher. Mm. Um, have money for closing costs. That's the only thing you really got to pay for is the closing costs. Um, and... Income. Just make sure you got consistent income still coming in. Some people like to use. Um, I know some people still get checks from the VA, so they'll use their their whether whether it might be disability mm-hmm. or just whatever. Sometimes it's pension. I think mm-hmm. pension retirement from, yeah. retirement mm-hmm. from the VA. You could use that. So yeah. Okay. I, um, I guess how when you talk about income, mm-hmm. obviously they want to see in numbers and they want to see stability, right? Mm-hmm. Do you and we, but we also are in this era of you know back we were taught to kind of stay at the job we talked about this last week. Oh, you like, talking about job hopping? Yeah, like mm-hmm. is job hopping something that can be done and still not jeopardize your ability to own the home? I guess you're still getting a check, right? Yeah, it no matter who signing the check. Yeah, as, as long, long as you as long as you getting a consistent mm-hmm. flow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, as long as you got money coming in. Um. Now, here's what I will say. Job hopping, I'm not going to say it as if, like, go ahead and go from five different employers in the last two years and you'll be fine. It's not ideal, right? Because it makes it harder for us to determine where the consistency is and where your income is going to be. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, because so, like, yeah, he might go get another job and it might be a decrease this A time. decrease in his income, right? Back. So it was like, yeah, I qualify you for this amount, but in two, three months after you close, you're just going to go get another job now it's kind of questionable because you right. might get a decrease in income, right? Mm-hmm. So I always tell people that try to stay where you're at unless your income is going to increase with the new employer. If your income is increasing, that's different. You can, um, you can that's a move you that's make. That's a move you okay. should make. You know, yeah. anybody right. should make that. Um, or if it's a career change going into a, a field that's going to pay you more, makes sense, right? Um, you just don't want to change your tax, your tax bracket. You don't want to go from... 
1099. Well, you could go from 1099 to W2, but you only go from W2 to 1099. Then you have mm-hmm. to wait two years. But as long as you're going from an employer to an employer where you're getting a check, you're good. I just recommend that the check is always going in an uh, upwards direction. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So these are little small things that, you know, mm-hmm. people got to know about. Yeah. Um, he got me feeling like a better candidate than I thought I was. That's, 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 that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, for the most part, it's like sometimes people just, it's a lot. And it's, yeah. it's, it's like you say, um, what's the word? Intimidating. Yeah. And so you just hear all this shit and you're like, nah, not me. Yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. Look at the mouths on TikTok. You're like, ah, I don't know why yeah. I can get this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You start looking at shit. He's like, yeah. Oh, nice. Jeez. But I, I, was, I mean, the market makes it difficult now for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. those, you know, the intimidation is kind of warranted now, but previously, you know, before this happened, you still had people kind of missing out on those, myself included. I wish I'd have been paying more attention. I'd have, I was in a position years ago, you know, to be a homeowner, mm-hmm. but not thinking I was, you know, in a position right. to be a homeowner. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, the pandemic hit and a lot of things changed for a lot of people. And maybe, you know, now you're not so much in a position you were Right. A couple of years ago. Right. So just kind of getting started, being aware, knowing what's going on, what you're capable of doing, what you can qualify for, I think is what people need to be hearing and seeing so they can get out here and be aggressive and be confident. And, you know, you got some direction. You might yeah, not go to the club. Plans. Yeah, you know, you might not go to the club and smoke that hookah this weekend. Cause <laughs> for real, for real. No, you know, you can, I can just, like I talk to my girl all the time, and I can just tell how people, because you know, obviously, I, I'm in finance. I got a finance degree too, so I know money. Yeah, you fact. know, and you when you work around money, you kind of know. You can just look at stuff like, nah, that's the you don't make enough money to live like that. Right. And you can just it's just I can look at somebody like and know kind of get an idea kind of what they do. And I'm like, if they don't have like just this underground, like they invested in something, that they kind of just a like back end like investor, like you know the person who's like right, invested right, right. but not on the front lines. If they're not doing something like that, they don't make enough money for it. And you just kind of watch how people live and mm-hmm. the way they shop and the clothes they wear. And it's like, bro, you can't live like that, drive like that, eat like that, travel like that, and own a home. It's, it's, it's not enough not money. It. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it can't happen. And then you kind of see the people who own homes. You see your friends who own homes. They don't live those type of lifestyles. And so you kind of... If people knew better, I think they do a lot better, especially oh, black people. I, I, and I think that's the biggest problem, and it's a stigma that black people don't want to do better. I yeah. think if they just, you kind of knew, like, hey, you kind of ran your credit card up, but you can help yourself if you just go open it. You, you know, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Just go open another credit card that's going to take you from, you know, $1,000 credit card four years ago. You didn't quadruple your pay. Now you got a $6,000 credit limit. That's going to drop you back down under that 30% you was talking about. Facts. And people just kind of scared. I'm not ever getting another credit card. Mm-hmm. I was like that. Didn't know, like, yeah, you need to actually go get another one. Mm-hmm. And that's going to help you out. And I think that's just what people need to mm-hmm. hear, know, and stop going to them credit people. You know, <laughs> I, oh, well, I'll ask you what you think. I'm over here talking like, <laughs> what do you think about the people? That, before we go on break, what do you think about the fix your credit people? Yeah. Are they legit? Or do you think that these things can be accomplished? On your own. Got you, got it. So before I go on that, I do want to um, add on to what you said about being a homeowner and, and your finances with comparing people who own home versus people who don't. Mm-hmm. When you Once you own a home, you're right, man. Like, it kind of makes you automatically financially responsible. Like, you have to be. Because that first experience you get is when something breaks and you realize ain't nobody coming to fix it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? I think yeah. a lot of people who first own a home, that's their wake-up call. That, oh, shit. 
that hot water heater went. Damn. Yeah, or the like, AC unit fucking up. You call, like, you call mom and dad or uncle, and they be like, oh, you got to pay for that. Right. Oh, nobody coming to fix it? Nah. I can give you this number to this yeah, dude that I know yeah, that fixed my water here last time. It yeah. went. So, but then it's that'll change your thinking. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a, re- it's a responsibility. Yeah. Versus renting, you know that, hey, whatever happened, I'm good. So yeah. you, you, you hit that right on the head. Now, the credit people, here's what I'll say. I'm for credit repair. I'm mm-hmm. for it. And here's why I know some people are against it. A lot of a lot of times with credit repair, I think where you're getting at is is not necessarily what they will do to your credit to get it in order. A lot of it is just what you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, if you go through credit repair, unless they're educating you and telling you exactly what you should be doing mm-hmm. to get your credit in order, then you're paying for nothing. That's when I think it's a scam. That's when I think it's not worth it. Like the Lexington laws. Oh, give us your card information. We just going to take money out of money out of it every month. And you just going to see your credit go up. They are doing nothing for you. That does not help you. They're stealing. That's yeah. it. Really is. Yeah. It really is. I'm over here thinking like, what are they yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. What are they doing? Because think about it like this: your credit is determined. It's like a pie, right? But. 35% of that pie is payment history and 30, the other 30% is credit utilization. Mm-hmm. That's over 50% right there. That's almost 60 some percent right there. That's determined based off not just what you did, but what you know, right? Because if you don't know that if your credit is over 30%, you will think that, okay, my credit is bad. I need credit repair, but no, you probably got one late payment and all five of your credit cards are at 60%. And that's why your credit is at a five ninety yeah. something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and if you just improve that situation, if you just improve that, your credit go to seven hundred. Right. If you just brought your utilization down below ten yeah. percent on all that's of those credit thing. cards, it'll go to seven seven hundred. But you call a, you know, a, a, a Lexington Law, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we 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 can get your credit, you know, to this and this by next year." Right. And writing letters, yeah, yeah writing no. letters, and you like, what's going on? <laughs> I be looking into them, man. You know, yeah, <laughs> you didn't take them out. I be, t- be on TikTok, <laughs> man. You know, writing letters, writing doing letters. certain things, emailing. Now, here's what I will say: the derogatory remarks. Mm-hmm. That is something that you probably need help on working out. So, if you have a lot of late payments, if you have a lot of collections, right? If you if you have um, student loans that you know went into default or something like that, they might be a good reputable credit repair specialist will be able to help you out with those things. For example, perfect example. Let's say you got a medical collection, right? Let's say it's a $3,000 collection, right? A lot of people think that if you just pay it, it'll come off your credit. That's not the case. That collect collection accounts can stay on your credit for seven years. Any derogatory remarks can stay on your credit for seven years. Mm. So even if you pay it, so you feel like you paid it for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you still, if you pay that $3,000, that's why I'd be scared to pay. Cause I'm like, yeah. what's going to happen after I pay y'all this bread? Cause Good like, credit. If, if Comcast reaching out and sent me the collections, why, if I pay Comcast, this dude going to still, he still got this account. He, he bought off got, of Comcast. Exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? exactly. That collection agency bought it from the initial creditor. So they have it. And even if you pay them, they're, they don't have to take it off your credit because those uh, agencies pay to put those derogatory items on your credit. So to take it off, they have to pay to take it off, too. Uh, so they don't they don't work with Equifax, TransUnion and Experian. Those are s- separate entities. They are their own company. They pay those companies to say, yo, Cam, you know, he owes a collection to 
he owes a bill to Comcast that he didn't pay, you know, to them. And now we have it. And here's the proof of it. Not that you owe Comcast, yeah. but just that's how it works. Okay. And so they pay those creditors, the, not the creditors, the, the bureaus. Hey, here, put it on his credit report. So now if Cam pays it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to pay them to take it off. They don't want to pay them to take it off. Right. They just got the money. So it's just like, we good. We good. But now, (laughs) but now he's still suffering because he just paid $3,000 for his credit to stay out of 500. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's That's hustling backwards like a mug. Exactly. So that's where a good credit repair specialist can come in and say, Hey, you either don't have to pay it at all, or you can settle with them and make sure that they give you an agreement to delete it off your credit before you pay. Because if you don't have it in writing, yeah, ain't yeah, no nothing, way you can yeah. make an argument about it later on if it's not removed. Yeah, that's you know the one I'm thing saying? I learned about money. Yeah, when you when you when you cross money, you need you need documentation. You need documentation. For everything. <laughs> everything. Yep. Facts. Let's take a quick break. We're gonna talk about investment when we get back. Sure. Back, man, with the guru, man, being the banker, man, in the building. Yes, As Ben's podcast, episode one eleven, man. Mike Cam, great Juan. knowledge out here, man. Yeah, man, and being in the building, giving us great knowledge, man. We talking about what's the what's the topic, man? What, what is it? Generational wealth. I like that. Building generational wealth yeah. from the from the bottom up. Yes, sir. From the lowest level, man. From the foundation. Yeah, mm. man. We got to build houses. the foundation, man. Because, like he said, man, like. <clears throat> You think of a house as such a small thing, but like you said, it's like the the primary building block to get you into the middle class. Yes, sir. Like, you can't really do shit else until you kind of get your house because it's like rent versus mortgage is a whole different, like, animal. So it frees you up. Like, you know, if you're paying $2,000 a mortgage, just a, I mean, rent, imagine if you own that place, it'd probably be probably closer to half, mm-hmm. 60% of what you're paying. Mm-hmm. So then now that allows you to kind of make all those other moves you've been dreaming about making. In your life, with that same check you get, you know what you I mean. You gotta so, save that check for when the hot water heater went out. Yeah, you gotta save right. it, but you can make a few more plays, man. You were That's just true. paying twenty five or twenty five hundred a month and on it gives rent you equity. Yeah, yeah, that equity. That, and, that's the key to it, especially a primary residence, and it gives you with ownership. You have the ability to you have more control over what you want to do with the property. 
if you own a three bedroom and you live in you you know you stay in one, it's only one you one person. Mm-hmm. You don't need two other bedrooms, right? right? Airbnb, right? Airbnb. You got you could call some friends who just moved into the area. Hey, you could stay with me, five hundred, six hundred a bedroom. Mm-hmm. You just have more flexibility, right? Over here. So right. It's just yeah, man. And freedom is the key. Yes, sir. Giannis yeah. is the GOAT, too, man. He's just unstoppable. I'm just watching him over here yeah. get quadruple team. Hey, um, but it's a good game. Hopefully, we can uh, watch the rest of it when we get done. But let's talk about investing because, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we talked about buying a home. Mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, let's say we got into our home now. Mm-hmm. And now we want to make some, you know, we want to build our empire a little bigger. Mm-hmm. I, and you can tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong in my thinking, Obviously, I understand what saving means, mm-hmm. but I don't believe, especially in most of our viewers are black, mm-hmm. they're a black demographic, that the black community can solve our financial issues by saving. Mm. So, but we need to make proper moves with our money. And it's all going to be risky, but that's what investing is. Mm-hmm. And so, one, do you think that my idea of, you know, Black people needing to save is not going to save, solve our issues is true. And then secondly, what are some, because I think that more people, just like buying a home, the unfamiliarity with investing is going to have them kind of a little intimidated and scared to invest at the beginning. So what would you recommend would be kind of some of your favorite initial low-level, low-risk investment for the risk averse? Got you. Uh-huh. I think the low – the Low risk way to invest in real estate. Your first home does not have to be a forever home. It yeah. is not. All right. For example, and I've, I've helped a client literally do this, build their empire doing this. A veteran, VA loan, no money down, bought their first home, a two bedroom, one bathroom, not that big. And they told me it's not their forever home. Bought that home two years later. Okay, refinance it, put it into a conventional. I'm going to use my VA loan to go buy another home. I'm going to make that home an investment property, right? Mm-hmm. You got equity in it. You, you, we refinanced it in a way to where we, do, we reduced the mortgage payment. So now whatever tenant is in there, they can cash flow some money from it. They paying for the rest of the mortgage. My client went and bought a bigger home, bigger space. VA loan, no money down. Boom. Again. All right, again. And then... Same thing. Hey, I'm going to refinance, put this into a conventional, and use my VA loan to buy another one. Now, in a span of five years, my client has two properties mm-hmm. where they put no money down. So you got somebody paying for I say another one's paying for itself. Somebody paying, yes. Got somebody paying for the mortgage, but not only that, they cash flowing. So they cash flowing, whether that be six, $700 that they're yeah. receiving that they wasn't getting from each of those properties before, mm-hmm. right? And then not only that, they'll build an equity. Got that equity in it, right? So anytime they want to tap into that equity, it could be a hundred thousand, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars worth of equity. Yeah. They could take that money out and do whatever they want with it. Whether that be go buy a vehicle, you know, put money down on a home if they really wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. Help out, you know, pay bills, do whatever. You know what Send the kids to college. Send their kids to college. And you don't have to just do that through a VA loan. You could do that through FHA. FHA is another good way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. FHA, you put 3.5 down, right? Mm-hmm. You pay your closing costs, obviously, but you can buy FHA. Um, you could use FHA to buy primary residence. 
Mm-hmm. Refinance it. Use FHA again to buy another home mm. and repeat and repeat and repeat. Same thing for conventional. Mm. So that to me is the is the best way to invest in real estate with the lowest risk because you're literally you're lit. So one, the way you're getting in is you're putting down the least amount of money to get in. Right. Normally, if you buy an investment investment property outright, you got to put anywhere from fifteen to twenty percent down mm-hmm. up front. Normally, so yeah. if you live in a home and you say, "All right, I'm not going to live in that home; it's going to be my investment property," you put anywhere from fifteen to twenty percent down off rip. You can't just, right. you know, not put any money down because it's more risky for the bank. The yeah. bank wants to make sure there's some equity in there in case if you default, we have it to sell and we, you know, gain something from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if you're going to live in it and then move out of it, the way you got into it was you didn't put any money down or you put minimal money down mm-hmm. and you keep some money in your pocket and you move on and you buy the next property. But now you still got the old property that's still paying you. Right. That's the best way to do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, high risk. What are the, what are some of your, for the for the more risky, I'm a I'm a I'm a risk taker. Mm-hmm. So I want to take big risk. I want high reward. High reward. Okay. Big. What risk. kind of investments do you would you suggest to somebody who's looking for a high uh, big risk high reward? Type? Definitely. Um, I'm I'm one of those people too. So flippers. If you're okay. a flipper, that's definitely a big risk high reward. So you go in there, you put you know twenty percent down to get the property. Obviously, if you got you know great credit, you get a hard money lender. They'll finance all the repairs, but. The, the risk is that if you, so you can either do it two ways when you flip. You can either flip the property to sell it, right, obviously, or you can do the Burr method where you, you flip the property, but you refinance, you cash out of it, and then put a tenant into it, right, to, mm-hmm. to rent out. Um, but it is a risk because you put a lot more money down, right? You don't know how much repairs are needed for the property until you really get in. Right. A lot of flippers will tell you, they'd be like, man, the plumbing was bad. The foundation was bad. The mm. roof was bad. The whole house was bad. Yeah, the, the whole house was just, you know, Tear I didn't down. know it was that yeah. bad. Yeah. You know, um, it's some things that you just don't catch until, you know, you get a contractor going and they go. Break ground. Camp. You see that? <laughs> that that's going to cost another 10 grand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hard drop. And yeah. you like, whoa, that was 10 grand I wasn't expecting on spending. So those are the more risky, but is, is risky, but the rewards are really high too. Mm-hmm. But also, you could lose a lot or you could break even most of the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the stuff people don't talk about. Right. But, um, but yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know, Mike, you got any. Mike Twan, any other? Because I got one more as far as, but I want to see if y'all got any investment, home ownership, credit, any of them type questions. Man. You knocked it on the head with the investment. Um, you know, going the right way about it, or either safe or risky. Um, that's something I was definitely trying to get into later on, maybe like a couple of years out once I get my first home. But mm-hmm. just to get that knowledge now is, you know, get the heads up is yeah. uh, real good. So when it's time to happen, you know, you just. Kind of just flowing with it. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Yep. I guess I can speak to, I guess, what what my fear is about it. I mm-hmm. have hella student loans, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when I was saying I, I feel like a better candidate now listening to you, like, my credit score is above what you were saying, 
where it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? I've had steady jobs since I graduated, but I still got these big student loans behind me. Mm -hmm. So like where I I just need places to start or like, I guess someone to talk to to see so I can like remove some of these fears to kind of move forward. I guess Michael how does it TikTok, impact you? Right? Yeah. How does this impact me? Do you guys even really care about these student loans? If say I got this other credit card debt that I I got it at a certain point, that's good. Yeah, and I'm working. Am I still a good candidate? Yeah, because those are big. Yeah. You know, those look like big numbers. It's like this is all debt. Yeah, yeah facts. You know? No, definitely. Student loans are no longer an issue for nobody. Should really be. nope should not be an issue for anybody. FHA changed their guidelines, so that just opened it up for everybody. It used to be with FHA that if you let's say you was a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, right? Mm-hmm. Hundred thousand, one hundred and fifty, two hundred, whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. Your student loans had to be at a fully amortized repayment plan in order for you to you know qualify with. So if you have a hundred thousand dollars fully amortized repayment plan, your monthly payment could be like eight hundred, a thousand dollars a month. That's factoring into your debt to income ratio in order to determine how much home you can afford. Right. But now with FHA, it's whatever income based repayment plan you're on. So all you got to do is call your student loan servicer and say, hey, what does an income based repayment look like for me? Like an estimated payment. I just want to know what y'all would do for me. They might ask you for some documentation. Some don't even ask you. They'll just be like, what's your what's your income? You'll be like, "Okay, it's like 60. They'll be like, "Okay." Based off what you said, it's $100. It's $200. I got a client right now. She got over $100,000 for student loans. Her payment plan is, I think, two. it was $210. That's what we're using to help her qualify for a home. It's not an issue, man. If you do it that way, you're good. And any good banker that knows that will, will, will handle that responsibly and, and get you in the right place. Because you brought up the payment plan, so... Mm-hmm. I um right before pandemic started, I uh, brought all the loans together mm-hmm. so they can all be on a certain plan. But mm-hmm. before I could even make a payment or get into it, mm-hmm. everything got shut down with the COVID and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I haven't paid any of this money, mm-hmm. and I think the um the lender I had changed over, mm-hmm. and now that shit don't even show up on my credit. Mm-hmm. Like it's like gone. Oh, really? So, I mean, I probably have to look at other credit yeah, cards. I'm yeah. just looking at credit karma. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that's still kind of just a little surface level, but it doesn't yeah. show up at it all. It doesn't show up at all. Yeah, it definitely might want to look into that. Look into other, because credit karma is not super accurate. Right, right. It's just a vantage score. It's just one of the many mm-hmm. scores that other creditors look at. So definitely look at, you got Experian, you got Trans, you got Equifax. You could go into any one of those credit monitoring sites and pull your report and see where it might be. Because that would be weird if your student loans didn't pop up. Trust me, they they want their money. I know. That's weird. Yeah. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. They the folks ain't forgetting about bread. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think they would. But yeah. keep pushing but, it back, man. That, that inexperience not but showing not it right now. you not paying it. Anybody in the, so COVID put everybody in deferment, even yeah. me, right? You're in deferment. That is not, you're, you're not delinquent. Like, you're, you're not someone who's in default. Like, you, right. it's not like you didn't pay it. You know what I mean? It's not like you, di- you owed it and you didn't pay it. Where you're in deferment, you don't have to pay it. Right. So that that's not going to affect your credit, right? My credit's been standing at in the high seven hundreds for a while, and I haven't paid my student loans since the pandemic started. Right. right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and th- that that's the case for everybody else. So um, is the, is this period helping anybody? Because are are when you're in deferment, is it showing you as like 
current. So is that current is helping your credit or is it just kind of neutral? If you get what I'm asking, like, mm-hmm. does that neutrally just affect it or is it actually helping people? It does nothing. Okay. just so It literally does. It might. Uh, you could say it helps you in terms of it's another bill you don't have to worry right. about. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So okay. you can. So if you had if you were someone who had a lot of debt and it was like, man, these student loans was killing me. You could just w- forget about it and pay off everything else so that when, when it does start back up again, now you got to worry about right. it. But in terms of it affecting you in a negative way, it, no, it didn't affect you in a negative way positively. Yeah, probably because you got other things to worry about that you could pay off. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. See, me, I went to school practically for free. So I'm like one of them people who kind of just float around and like that's yes. never been an issue. Yeah. But I know a lot of people and kind of, you know, now that we get older, you kind of, especially, you know, you in college, nobody talks about that. You leave the first couple of years, you know, nobody's talking about that. But now you get older and like, you sit down and that's more of a conversation point. Like people are talking about the loans and you know, they being more candid about how many, you know, how much it racked up over the years. And I hear numbers like a hundred, 150, 200. And it's just like common. I'm like, Oh shit. No, in fact, it's, it's so many of people I know are just oh, drowning yeah. and terrified. You know what I mean? And again, that's another like point where they're like, I'm not even going to go buy a crib. Like hell no. Right. Like yeah. I'm not even going to think about this. I'm not even too- researching it or yeah. seeing if you could, it's just a stigma like that. I can't do that. Yeah. I, yeah. I can speak for me. That's what it is. It's like, damn, I'm not. Don't let student loans right. stop you. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Cam, like me, I played football in college. So I left with very minimal debt. Like I got, a minimal, so minimal that I could pay it off tomorrow. That's only where thing, I'm at. Too. Only thing that's yeah. holding me back is I know if I pay it off, it's going to affect my credit. So I don't want to pay it off. So that, so it does, so it negatively affects you a little bit. If though. you pay it off, if you pay off student loans and you've been making payments <clears> on it and it's got healthy credit history, it does negatively impact your credit. That's bullshit. I hate credit. I know credit. it does. I know <laughs> it does. <laughs> that's crazy. That's the facts. It is. It is. And I hope they change that law, man. I, I hope they change that rule because I feel like, man, like a car. It's like a car. It's an installment loan. Mm-hmm. Credit is an installment. It's not revolving. It's not a credit card. It's an installment. Meaning, if you like a car, if you pay off your car, I don't know if any of you ever experienced, you know, having a car for a couple years, you go, you trade it in or you just sell it and then you see a credit take a dip. And you go, what I happened? just bought a new car like yeah. two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yep. Your credit going to take a dip. And a lot of people go, well, what happened? Like, I didn't do anything. It's because that two, three-year, four-year, five-year history you had just went off just your changed, yep. basically, right? It's it restarted. It's like, yeah. a restart. Now the new oh, car is going to be the one that's the... So that, mm. that don't make sense to me. I hate I, it. Yeah, I hate uh, that too. But that's what happened. So student loans... I took, yeah, I went and bought a car. And like every, <laughs> every process of me getting the car, I was just watching my damn credit score dip. Hard increases. Like, why is it like it's just like a my credit score dipped like fifteen points just to buy a new car. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. you feel me? Yeah, I don't know, man. But um, I don't know any. You got any fears, Mike? Yeah, not after this. I just didn't understand credit. That was my biggest problem. Is like I didn't understand how credit worked. And you know, like most people paying, like you got to go out there and get a credit card. But like the why behind it is just like. Yeah. Never there's like, um, so I guess the, the last question I got, and it's a credit question, is do you advise people? Because I know as people go back and forth about this, where they say you run it up on your credit card and pay it off, and you keep you keep as much money obviously as, as you possibly can of your own money, and you put as much on the cards and use as much credit as possible. Is that is that the way to go? Sounds opposite when yeah. you're speaking about utilization. Yeah. You're talking yeah. about using a lot of utilization to have your cash. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you have the cash, but you have to spend that eventually. And that credit, 
if it's high, once you hit the limit, you can't do that no more. Mm-hmm. So, so you, I would, so that's a no. So I, I would explain <laughs> it, it and, and yeah, it depends. So how I would explain it is this: don't utilize credit until you have one saved up enough money first, right? I wouldn't utilize credit until you have money saved up for yourself. And I'm going to go Dave Ramsey on y'all real quick, but about three to six months of emergency funds saved up. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even try to utilize credit as if like it's something that you could just, you know, hey, I don't even carry no debit card. I'm going to just walk around my credit card. I would not do that. Right. I would not. I would say utilize cash until you have a healthy savings, right? Now, when you have a healthy savings, now I would say that if your credit is where it needs to be to where you can go and get really good cards that have really good rewards, why not utilize those credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you've shown that you, you know, you've been able to give yourself um, a cushion in case anything happens. So, for example, if you do go on a spending spree of five, six hundred dollars, right, you have the funds to pay it off, mm-hmm. right, in case something happens to your income, right? But if you don't have the cushion and you just go spend that money and now you got this snowball effect, it's not helping you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it depends on your situation. Um, for example, me personally, um, me and my wife, I re- we recently just switched to, hey, we're not carrying no debit cards no more. Like, we carrying all credit cards. And at first, she was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know if I could do this. And I'm like, no, discipline yourself. Like, tell yourself this is how much money you got you can only spend in a week span, right? And at the end of every week or every month, we just going to pay off the credit cards completely. Right. Because we have access to now Amex. Right. Sapphire. Um, Discover. We got Amex. To, we got uh, access to all of these credit cards that have really huge rewards and mm-hmm. points. Right. And cash back. Right. Mm-hmm. On money, we going to spend anyway. Right. We're going to spend it. We're going to buy groceries. We're going to go get gas. We're going to, you know, pay certain things. So why not get rewarded for it? Right. And then so, just pay it off, like, just, just pay the card instead of whatever pay the card institution paying, was going to pay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. The money going to come in our bank the same way. Regardless. We just got to discipline ourselves and put it in the right places. That's mm-hmm. it. So now, me and my wife, we don't carry debit cards no more. Okay. And when you say Amex, I was, I think Amber was saying something about Amex. Or, are they harder to get now, or is that just not a... It's always been harder to get. So they are, I, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Amex will forever, for, always be that... That uh credit card that's like you got one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't have an Amex. Yeah. <laughs> I got one. Amex. You got, you got one? one. Yeah. Amex. That's what's up. Okay. Amex. Barely. Me neither. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Barely. I'm, I'm in there, but I got one. Okay. Yeah. I'm, okay. Capital I'm a lot of Capital One. Okay. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't tried though. So I mean, uh, it might. It's one of those fear things. Be, I, 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 was I was looking be. at it. I was looking at it for okay. Delta man. I got. I got a question. Mm-hmm. You speak about uh being in the snowball, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of us get in that snowball. What type of advice would you give somebody to come up with a plan to get themselves out of it? Because if you don't stop it, it's not going to stop. 100%. I would follow Dave Ramsey's uh, approach on it. If, if anybody who don't know who Dave Ramsey is, go on YouTube and look that man up. He literally has the, the like a, a perfect breakdown, step-by-step breakdown on what you can do to get yourself out of major debt. And that's, this is any debt. And that's where my explanation of before you use your credit cards, what you should do. He he's totally against debt completely. Like he don't even want people to use their credit cards. I'm not like that. Right. I think you could use the. I think you, you can use credit for your yeah. benefit. Mm-hmm. Um. He doesn't think that way. But to get out of it, 
save your three to uh, six months, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, start working on the biggest debt. So whatever your credit cards are. So let's say you got five credit cards, right? One of your credit cards is maxed up up to $5,000. Let's say that's that's the case, right? You're not going to get out of that debt by just paying $100 a month. Right. There's no way. That interest is way too high. It's just going to continue to build. So what you need to do is you need to say, okay, I'm going to pay the minimum payments on everything else. Everything else that I have. I'm going to give up. Dave Ramsey is very crazy too. Like he's super <laughs> radical. He will tell people, no, nah, real rap. He'll say, don't eat. You're not no, seriously, You're not seriously. You're not, listen, during the weekends, what you doing? Oh, I go to the lounge. Give that up. Okay. Yeah. I go shopping. Give that up. Okay. I eat during, oh, you, you got Starbucks. Give that up. Uh, what else? Oh, you eat out on this day. Give that up. Take that money and put all of that money towards that debt. Yeah. So now it's not just a hundred. You start seeing that it's three hundred, four hundred dollars you can right. put towards that debt. Now you really cutting into you really, it. You really putting you really really getting into it. it. Yeah. So and chopping that interest number down too. Exactly. So now when you start chopping it, now every month you gotta repeat that same thing until it's fully paid down. Now when that's paid down, then you go to the second card that has mm-hmm. the second highest balance and you repeat the same thing. Because he feels like Yo, there's definitely some stuff in your lifestyle that puts you into the situation. Mm-hmm. If it was ignorance, yeah, possibly. Um, for some people, it's just, yo, I didn't have money at the time, so I had to use my credit. But for most people, that's not the case. Right. For most people, it's you were just not being responsible. Like, you had some coming. kicks, you wanted some food, yeah. that you didn't have that. And it was just, you know... I'm a college student. I want to eat out, though. You know what I'm saying? I want to go here with my friends on vacation, but you ain't got it. Wells Fargo. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So cut back on your lifestyle to focus on the things that really matter. Um, So, yeah, that's how you close that credit card out, too. (laughs) That's not good, though. It's not good to close it out. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. But you learn. Yeah, I learn. Next time, you just just keep it open. Don't use it. Don't use it. But Ben... Yeah, man. We appreciate you spitting spitting this this good groundwork game. We ain't even gonna talk about the rest of the stuff. Nah, I like this good. episode I, I as is. <laughs> yeah. How about I say I like it as is? So, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, you know, you know me. I didn't hit you up before, like Ben, business account. Where where the best bank? I'm. I don't already. I didn't already reached out to Ben DM. Yeah. Like <laughs> Ben gonna put you in the right direction. And I'm. T- it's just like I said. I don't. Fa- you. Go straight to the internet, man. Social media, you find the answers. Facts. And luckily, I got somebody I kind of know personally that I can just kind of straight ask the questions. I didn't look anywhere else, Ben. Yeah. You told me Chase, <laughs> and I went to Chase. Yeah. No questions <laughs> asked. I'm like, you feel me? That's so it. I appreciate you coming. I appreciate you giving the game. I appreciate what you do for not just the you know the, our listeners and us in this room, but on a day-to-day basis, helping people out, Definitely. giving them to the game, teaching them the ways, taking that that fear and all those different um, things off their back and allowing them to <clears throat> get to better places financially. Mm-hmm. And I just want to keep, you know, keep you keep it up, and I'm going to try to keep it up and keep giving people the game and keep bring. hopefully we'll bring you back maybe once like a quarter or something. Appreciate and that, You man. can just give yeah. people quarterly yeah. business advice. You know what I mean? Facts, facts. We'll make it, we'll make it do what it do. Let me you know, know when that housing market going down, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, man, when you see that happening, a few years, four years or something? Ah, uh, man. I, I don't see the housing market going down. I see it stabilizing. I don't see it going down. I don't see, inf- I don't see the inflation part of it still continuing. It's going to slow down. But okay. it's, it's never going to come down like it yeah. did in 2008. That, mm-hmm. that, that's history. It's unfortunate because, shoot, if that happened now, we all know what we'd be doing. But you know, just, just going in, but nah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. 
We. That's why I said, like you said at the beginning, the new price is here. That's the <laughs> yeah. one thing you like. Price I don't complain price. about gas prices, none of that shit. Once I see them research, I'm like, yeah, price is the this price. is what it is now. This the price is the once price. they once they get it to a certain level and they see how people react to it, like right, let's pull gas to four dollars. <laughs> they still going out. We gotta go to Costco. Yeah, you, you can drop it to three three sixty. I just I got gas for three sixty the other day. I just filled back up again for four oh nine a day. I only mm. go to Costco, man. I, I went to Kroger. I, I and it was, was still for Costco. Costco prices Costco are way cheaper. Insane. Oh, for real? Every yeah. time. Got you. All right. Every so time. I gotta I gotta look in it. I, I go to yeah. Shell yeah. all the time. Mm-mm. Go to Costco. Depending you got a little get your little Costco card. Like yeah. Cause I got Kroger and they give you twenty percent twenty cents off. Oh, yeah. Bro. Yeah, you gotta go to Kroger. Yeah. Costco. Yeah. Same. Anywhere else. And I live in the city, so it's it's terrible here. Terrible yeah. over here. Terrible. Oh my God! So you got it. Luckily, I live by a Kroger. Go to Costco, man. Yeah, man. Uh, one before we go, man. We know Ben from Philly, man. Uh, Embiid did not get the MVP, (laughs) y'all. Has Ben's podcast, man. Episode one eleven, man. We out, man. Peace, peace.